If you really want to create a life where you are in charge of what's happening to you, then you need to create the structure and the framework of what that looks like. The vision, the mission of where you're heading, and then reverse engineer, how am I going to get there? Welcome to the Do What You Love show, the place where musicians, artists, and entrepreneurs share their inspiring stories and advice on how to succeed in the music business. Every week, you'll receive new insights and tips on how to grow your following, get more gigs, and make a living in today's rapidly changing music industry. Thanks for tuning in with us. Now, let's begin the show and do what we love. So joining me in the USM studio today is Katie Underwood, who is an Australian singer-songwriter best known for being a member of Bardo, winners of the first Australian series of pop stars in 2000. The group achieved instant success with the number one hit Poison and its number one debut album, headlined its own national tour and performed at the 2000 ARIA Awards, in which it was nominated for three awards. After leaving the group in 2001, Katie turned her focus to the clubbing scene and dance music where she returned to the spotlight in 2002, collaborating with Australian dance duo Disco Montego, resulting in the top 10 aria hit Beautiful. Katie and I connected on LinkedIn early this year after inviting her to work with USM in delivering sound meditation workshops, where the conversation continued and revealed many parallels in her personal values and a message to musicians and artists looking for a success in the industry. In this conversation, Katie reveals the essential characteristics of mindset and approach that's necessary to turn pro and turn your talent into a sustainable career and music business in the new music industry. Here is my interview with Katie Underwood. Welcome to the Do What You Love podcast. Thanks. This is a very exciting (laughs) moment. We have Katie Underwood in the studio. And Katie and I were discussing a little bit about her story um, and sort of what brought her here. But um, yeah, Katie, tell us a bit about yourself and yeah, something perhaps people don't know about yourself. People don't know. Oh, probably lots. Um, it's probably easy to say what people do know. Uh, I was once in a girl group pop band uh, 20 years ago now, so perhaps many of the listeners weren't born then. Um, but for those that were, I, I did that for a very short period of time. I became insanely famous across Australia uh, and somewhat internationally. Um, so that that had some pros and some cons. Um uh, but was quite startling for me because I didn't ever really like pop music and yet I found myself in this incredibly successful pop band. So I received what I've come to term as um, an accelerated apprenticeship in the music business uh, where it became apparent that it was very little to do with the music, in fact, and a lot to do with image and um, media presence and staying fit and healthy and being organised and a whole lot of other things. Uh, And in fact, that the music production and performance took about 10% of our total time. And the rest was, unfortunately, a lot of time in photo shoots and magazine shoots and uh, interviews and, you know, selling the product, which in essence was us as a group and as a personality. So I learned a lot uh, through that period, but then um, uh, left that, 
I have since uh, been successful in the dance music world. I've produced independently a jazz album, which was always something I wanted to do, so I ticked that off the bucket list. I then dropped out of the music business to have two beautiful children who are now seven years old. Uh, and then over the last eight years, I shifted my entire focus from music performance to a healing path beginning with uh, becoming a massage therapist, then a Reiki practitioner, and finally a meditation teacher and sound healer, which is what I do now. So that brings you up to speed. Thank you. So um, tell us a bit more about that journey. So when you joined the old girls' band, Bardo? Bardo, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I failed to mention the name. <laughs> <laughs> right. T- tell us about, I guess, the expectations or the image... Um, or what you perceive to be the lifestyle prior entering that kind of world and then what was revealed to you during and perhaps after? You mean what was different from what I thought it would be to yeah. what it was actually? Um, or did it match up in terms of what you would expect? I think I expected to be performing a lot more right. than we were. Right. Um, and it was frustrating how little we actually got to sing. Like, uh, apart from the initial period of recording the album where we were in the studio every day for 12 hours a day, that was like a dream come true. It was like, wow, yes, we're in a band and this is what bands do and we're recording every day and when we're not recording, we're playing pool in this really cool studio and it was one of the best studios in Sydney and, um, yeah, it was was fabulous. It felt like the rock star lifestyle. Um, And also, I guess, there were tastes of that when we were on tour either here or overseas and it was just a constant stream of um, rinse and repeat, you know, starting with breakfast radio, then we'd do a day's worth of interviews all day back to back. It was exhausting actually and then you'd have to go home, do a quick Batman change, perform a concert at some venue that night and then schmooze the local record company staff at a dinner afterwards, not get home till close to midnight and then bang, lights out, up again at six and and go. So it was quite gruelling. I think that was a surprise how gruelling it was um, that, you know, when you weren't um, working out or making music or recording, you were expected to talk all day or be in a photo shoot for six hours which is for me the most mind-numbing thing you can do with your life no disrespect to people who model professionally quite frankly I take my hat off to people who can do that because for me it was just not what I wanted to be doing you know if I'd wanted to be a model well that's a different path but um apparently when you become a female pop star you're also signing up for model lifestyle so uh yeah, that was that was surprising. And then working with four other girls has it had its own issues and how fame and the pressure of image can affect young women, I think, particularly, was quite disturbing and I hadn't ever seen that up close. So that was uh, that was a surprise. I was lucky I didn't fall for that, but many of them did. Right. So let's talk about this because, you know, we're living in a, a digital world and um, a lot of social pressures and expectations are built up based on what they see and people these facades and people putting on um the glamorous lifestyle people i think are starting to come into more of a conscious or awareness now though and understanding that authenticity is is one of the most valued attributes to any leader or any um 
pop star or mm. sharing their story and, and being that vulnerable person on a stage with a simple guitar and being able to connect directly with the audience. Um, but so in saying that, how do you see the industry changed over the last five or ten years and what was your biggest takeaway in that whole transition? I don't know that the music business with respect to image has changed at all. I think there's still a lot of pressure on young women to look a certain way. Um, And look, I think it still remains true that image is important. I don't think size is important. I don't think that has anything to do with it. But uh, I've met a lot of really talented musicians that actually don't put any thought, male or female, into how they're presenting themselves. And I think that's a mistake as well. It's not about size or about being buff. Um, but you do need to have a look. Right. Um, you know, you can look at one of the most successful stars we have at the moment across the world, Adele. She's not a size that people would predict to match up with pop, but she still has a distinct look, as well as buckets of talent behind her as well. Great. Know. So let's let's go deeper into this. I, sure. I like where this is going. When you say a distinct look, um, and we talk about, we had this conversation before about, you know, the, the difference between the actual music and the look and the image mm. and how much work went behind building this image and this brand. Yeah. And I guess the, the company that was managing you at the time understood the marketing aspect where they had to really please, you know, um, maybe perhaps other investors and, and make sure that everyone was basically selling the show. So the, the way that the they approached us to create what would become our image, and we worked with this great um, lady called Anna who was both our choreographer and kind of our den mother really for a while. And we had a... Um, like a, a session where we sort of storyboarded what would become our look. And she said, you know, it, it has to, obviously we're looking for something kind of like the Spice Girls, but we can't just copy that. Mm-hmm. It has to still be, uh, your look has to still be authentically something that's true for you, right? but an exaggerated, amplified version of who you are. Because just going, oh, I'm just going to be myself like I would be if I'm sitting around mum and dad. Well, if you want to sit around mum and pa, then you're not cut out for this business. So it's kind of like if you were to shine a spotlight on your authentic core pieces and blow them up larger than life, which is what people need to, to kind of be blinded by, oh, wow, there's this thing about this person I love because it's 50 times larger than what it would normally be if you're walking down the milk bar, you know. Um, that's what it is, particularly in the pop business, but even in rock, you know. Right. This is really good. I think for a lot of the listeners out there, uh, and we speak a lot about authenticity and having a story. Right. And a lot of musicians that I particularly deal with, um, you know, shy away from sharing any of their their turning points and feel as though maybe they're playing the victim. And I say, no, no, you, you need to craft that in such a way that, is about the breakthroughs, is about what you learn and the person you have to become, mm. um, which is which creates that momentum and that ins- compelling, inspiring story for people to follow and honour and be inspired by that, by, you know, that transition. So if you if you have something, or let's say you're, you're having a conversation with a 25 year old at this stage and they're looking at building their image, the EPK and their brand or personal brand and becoming some kind of influential figure on social media and part of their community, um, where should they start at this point? You definitely have to know who you are, what you stand for and, and what you want. Because if you don't know who you are before you get in this business, the market will define that for you. Right. And in your case, do you feel as though that's what happened? It's what sense? can happen. Right. Okay. It didn't happen to me. 
uh, I had a very clear idea of who I was when I was creating this amplified image of myself, which, you know, I'm a, a Lego nerd, a sci-fi nerd. I was a raver girl. You know, I had lots to draw on with respect to what my look was going to be like. Um, and I'd always had kind of a tomboyish, androgynous look. So I just amplified that tendency, um, you know, throw in a bit of fetish and, you know, you've got the first outfit for the first film clip. So I had lots to play with. Um, but for some of the other girls, it was a little more tricky because they perhaps didn't have such strong personality traits or didn't have such strong interests. And it was harder for them to pick out, well, what makes me different to the other four girls standing next to me? And whether you're in a group or a solo artist, you can still say, well, what yeah, I could be, you know, I'm, I'm a guy with a guitar making songs, but there's a hundred thousand other guys out there with a guitar making songs. So what is it that makes me different? What's my point of difference? From a business perspective, okay, sure, you've got a product you want to sell, but everyone's making music. But what makes your message different? What makes your look different? What makes your story different? Um, and to come at that from a place of truth, um, but to figure out, where your uniqueness is and to to then amplify that. Right. Um, so... Which is it, easier said than done, absolutely. I admit. It's, I, I'm not uh, yeah. implying that this is in any way easy. It actually requires quite a bit of digging. And, you know, we spent five hours, you know, picking out images from magazines and stories and stuff and pasting them across um, scrapbooks until we came to understand yeah. who we were based sure. on the... Uh, images or words that we were attracted to and then suddenly we kind of saw this projection of ourselves from the outside and then went oh wow okay now I can see who I am when I look at myself from the outside and we helped each other with that right and this is good so we're really we're talking about marketing here yeah talk about buying psychological driving um, driving buying motives that align to your values and the person that you are so in your case you know I know my wife she she really followed, like loved you mostly out of the group, and I know that that's um, there's a specific reason for that. You know, she loves books. She, she has, uh, shares a lot of the similar values, and I think this is where um, where we're working with individuals and artists need to understand. It won't take five hours. I've worked with artists and, and individuals that could t- potentially take them six months to a year to figure that out. Sure. So there's a lot of personal development and kind of reflection that goes behind this um and stripping away layers of sort of you know that have been built up of external uh expectations of Mm. the person that you should be as opposed to the person you are yeah so i mean respectfully i'm not sure that many people really truly know who they are at 25 you know uh, it it's usually something that doesn't even begin to really emerge perhaps until you move even into your 30s when you strip away what you've been told in school you strip away who you think you're supposed to be based on what your parents have told you uh you strip away the things that you've shied away from based on what your first girlfriend or boyfriend told you was good about you bad about you whatever all this stuff that we hold this information that's given to us from other people that we use initially to define ourselves by and with uh, I think in, in your 30s, for the average person, they start to dismantle that and go, well, if I take away everything I've be, ever been told from the outside, what is inside of me? So respectfully, if you're attempting to, you know, um, fast track that process at, at 25, you know, hats off to you. Um, some people will have it early. You know, I had a very strong sense of self very early, but I've always had that. So I was lucky. Um, but I acknowledge that many people don't have that and will struggle to find that 
not only in their 30s, but well into their 40s. And in fact, a lot of people that come to my events now who are looking to meditation to help them discover themselves because it's in that quiet that this um, authentic self speaks and emerges, um, that the age range for that is, you know, 40s, even 50s, even 60s, that people are going, I'm just, you know, tipping the iceberg now, you know. Okay, good point. So... See, once you get me going, I'm like... So now we're moving to awareness and and (laughs) self-discovery and, you know, reflection, um, discovery and and just, I guess, honouring the person you want to be and your your, your values and essentially calling, yeah? So if you kind of go deeper into this, everyone deep down inside wants to make a difference. I suppose. Whether it's on a local family level, community level, national or on a global scale, um, there's an innate sense that we want to impact a community because service is the highest form of um, fulfilment for people. Generally, unless you're a chronic narcissist, in which case you're just out for yourselves (laughs) and you'll exploit anyone you can along the way. And you will meet lots of those in the business, just (laughs) heads up for that. This conversation about how you, I guess, discovered that you are now more inspired about empowering others and realising you're getting more success by doing that. Yes. Well, more more sense of satisfaction. I mean, success, sure, great, of course. I've got bills to pay as well. Um, but, you know, my main driver now, and particularly because I've, I've come out of highs and lows in my career where I've earned insane amounts of money and other periods, you know, post-divorce where I was scraping by, you know, living on rice and lentils. So I've done both um, versions of relationship with money several times now, right. uh, you know, in my so far short life up until, you know, 43 years. Um, so I, I value money, but I'm not um, obsessed by obtaining it. And I understand now that if I remain aligned with who I am and what my mission is and, and what I'm wanting to put out into the world, then the money will come because people will uh, will get that. And so what is the that. mission? My mission personally now is to encourage and invite as many people into taking up meditation um, as possible. And that my point of difference in that is that I'm using music to make it easier for people to access these states of deep relaxation. Um, So I'm not intrinsically teaching them anything specific other than facilitating a space where they can discover what their truth is. And from there, where they go with that and what they do with that is up to them. Um, But that I hold the space for them initially, that they learn the skills to get there um, and that they don't become dependent on what I'm offering to get that, um, that they become empowered. It's that whole thing of I don't just want to give them a fish and they have to come back and keep getting fish, you know, every I want to teach them how to fish. Right. And then they can go off and, and share that, you know, with other people in their lives or, or do whatever. So you're taking on, and as we, one of the reasons why we focus so much on mentoring as opposed to just teaching is, you know, teaching is imparting knowledge and skill, whereas you're relying on teaching in that instance to kind of feed you continuously. A mentor helps the learner discover their own capability and wisdom. Absolutely. And and that process is far more complicated. Oh, wow. I'm a mentor. <laughs> uh, well, absolutely. So, and, and a mentor also focuses not just on, you know, d- draws on teaching, coaching, counselling, using whatever means necessary to empower them and to move them into what's called a self-directed learning state. Yeah, great. Um, and that is much more impactful mm-hmm. because that's that's a sort of an ongoing domino effect which yeah. you're providing as opposed to we talked about having this direct relationship as you and the you know the pop star and then they, all mm. of a sudden you know when you're gone their life turns upside down well they have nothing you know and that's the thing in, in a pop performance 
People can feel exhilarated and inspired in that moment. But the moment they walk out the door, it's over. Maybe they bought a T-shirt or they've got a CD and they might kind of attempt to relive that feeling. But um, in fact, the experience that they got was not just about the music from the artist, but it's also the experience of being in the room with all those other people and the energy there and the experience of being in that space and that place. Um, and so they have to keep, you know, going back to get that. Whereas now, like in my events, I will teach people short meditations. And I always encourage people to say, look, if you learn nothing from me, sure, you'll enjoy being here. But I encourage you to use these techniques in your own life when you're not with me yeah. uh, so that you can continue to develop your own practice. And then when you return to the group energy, which has its own frequency and its own benefit as well, then you can deepen your practice and continue to learn and continue the journey from there. Okay. So we're talking to an audience here mm. typically between, say, 20 to maybe 35. Okay. Let's say they're in their 20s. Okay. Sure. It's sort of that independent phase in their, their journey. They're doing things on their own. Um, you know, they've got... You're cutting a, your teeth on life. You're cutting your teeth. You mm. know, perhaps you're looking for a partner. But you're not gaining the traction and you're not, I guess... Um, the impact that you're hoping to achieve is not being met. Is there a piece of advice that you wish to share in terms of how they need to start to think and approach things um, by way of, you know, perhaps the way they market themselves, the way they share their music, and even their mindset around the music? Is there anything? The thing that's coming through clearly right now is don't just be good at what you do. Be good at being you. So, do you have any pragmatic? Yeah. So, by that I mean, so, and I think this particularly applies to the music business. Um, so, be good at what you do. Let's say, okay, I'm just going to use the guitar. I don't even play guitar, but you're the person who plays guitar, male or female, and that's your, that's your thing. Okay, you might be an incredible guitarist. But when I say be good at being you, are you, are you healthy? Is your mental health good? Do you have good relationships, not just with your fans, but with your family, with your flatmate, mm -hmm. you know? Um, uh, do you have an, are you struggling with addiction or have you worked through that stuff? So, and, and do you know who you are and where you're headed? It's not just enough to be good at that thing that you think defines your job, but understanding that your job is to be the best version of you. So I'll give you an example of how I've integrated some of these things for me. And this has just been the last few years. So... I used to, as a self-employed person, I have to be totally self-motivated and self-directed. No one is getting me up and sitting at my desk any other day except for me. If I don't do it, it's not going to happen. No one's going to make the money come in for me unless I'm driving my business. That's, that's just how it is, which can be both good and bad. So some days I will struggle. I won't be motivated. I won't feel like doing anything. And I used to separate out now I'm doing work, which was like computer work or performance work, and then the me time stuff, which seemed I put less priority on, things like exercising, things like catching up with friends. It seemed like a luxury right. that I couldn't afford. Mm. But now I understand that all of these things are important. I have to keep my personal relationships healthy or I don't feel happy. I have to keep exercising or I, don't, I lose motivation. And that on the days where I'm struggling to focus on my work, rather than just keep bashing my head against the computer all day and not being productive and procrastinate all day, I will stop and go, right, go for an hour's long walk as part of your job. Because when you come back, you'll be five times more productive than you were for the last three hours. So this is what I mean about being, being good at being you. 
figure out what you need to do to stay motivated, productive, healthy, so that when you are putting your full attention on your business, on your product, on your craft, that you're sharp and you're clear and you're rolling along, not flailing around, wasting time um, and, and losing years. I love the way you put that, you know, and it's so refreshing to hear someone who's obviously been in the pop star seat moving into this uh, a whole new game. Yeah. Um, and so, and this is exactly why, why we're having this conversation, Katie. You know, a lot of the values and, the, and our approaches do line up. There's a lot of synergy there, and I really appreciate it once again you sharing this. Um, so, just to recap, you know, there are habits, there are systems, there are approaches. There are ways of being that, you know, and that you take it full accountability for in your own life that are necessary for you to become successful in your music, in what you do. Yes. And this doesn't obviously just apply with music, but with anything. In so, any career. Right. And I think people in the music business initially might get attracted to it because they think, well, it's different to being in the corporate world. I don't want to work nine to five. I don't want to be limited by this or that or whatever. I don't want to have to wear a certain outfit or be told what to do. Don't want to have goals. Don't want to have, be able to measure my finances. Yeah, but in fact, all of that stuff will keep you performing in your local pub but you know, $10 an hour for the next 20 years. If you want to just stay there and have no responsibilities and no direct, go for it, right? But success in life, in any business, in any industry, whether you're self-employed or employed by someone else, whether you're working nine to five or working 7 p.m. till two in the morning, there are models that will create success regardless of what you're doing. Yes, you need to have a vision board. Yes, you need to have goals. You need to know where you're headed. You need to have your finances in order. You need to be healthy. You need to stay connected. Um, all of these things, this is, again, comes under the umbrella of, of figure out what it takes for you to be the best you, not just good at what you do. Like I'm a great singer, I always have been, and I'm lucky, but I've missed so many opportunities because I was smoking pot, and I didn't have the courage to say yes to a musical part that I was offered to audition for. It was probably a sure thing. Right. But I was so under the Influence. cloud of uh, the haze of, of, of that that I didn't believe in myself. Right. And I didn't go to that audition and I potentially missed an opportunity that could have led to a whole other bunch of things that I wanted to do. And so it was soon after that missed opportunity that I thought, okay, right. I need to. Uh, right. <laughs> I need to clear so, up my act because I'm, I'm missing it. You know, I've missed the point. Excellent. So you know, life comes in these waves, these opportunities, and you know, Einstein talks a lot about preparation meeting opportunity. Yeah. That's how we define luck. Yeah. So there are all. You know, if we're sharp in our game, mental clarity. You know, we're working our butts off. By the way, I don't know if you. That, that's clear um, in this message here, but you know, getting up early, having a discipline, routine, exercising, I mean, meditating. Look, I don't want to frighten people off. For yep. a lot of musos, they're night owls, naturally. Yep. So let's let's even take away the get up early thing. Right. But whenever you decide to get up, make it a routine. It doesn't have to be six o'clock in the morning. I'm not always an early riser. I go through phases. Some days I'm up at six without trying. Other days I'm struggling to, you know, well, I got kids, so I'm up. But, you know, prior to kids, you know, I might not want to get up till 10. 
But if 10's when you get up, well, then what do I do when I get up? Do I meditate? Do I do yoga? Do I go for a walk? Do I call my best mate? Or whatever practice you've got that sets you in the mindset for the day to roll out in a way that makes you feel good, um, then you do that and you, and you make that your routine. It doesn't have to look like mine, but you create the routine that works for you. And if you think that's boring, well, if you want to have a life that's not planned, then guess what? You'll never know what's coming up for you. And, and there's, a, there's a law that I teach called Parkinson's Law, which is... <laughs> They use it in business often, which basically states that if you're not uh, following the highest priorities in your life that are aligned to your values uh, and, you know, filling up your, your space, your calendar and your time with those highest things, it automatically gets consumed with other people's priorities, mm. which is your lower priorities. And this is just a law in life. So, you know, what? let me just recap. But what you're essentially saying is if you're not following your path by being the best version of you that are in line to those, you know, core values that align to you, you know, the message that you want to share and acting on those things on a daily basis, then by default, you're going to look for distractions to keep you busy and, you know, hanging Life's out. Life's full and, of distractions. You know, it. your flatmate's cat is always going to be, oh, no, they're off to the surgery or your, your mum's latest boyfriend is giving her a hassle or the, right. someone's left their papers on the door. Just stuff is always happening. Not even, don't even get me started on the stuff that's <laughs> happening in our phones constantly. Right. To distract us with other people's stuff. You know, yeah. my my workspace is my desk at home with my computer um, and above my screen I have goals 2019 with big circles and colours and stuff and sections of my life, personal, business, health, whatever. Goal 2020, you know, I'm looking ahead. I'll put a, a, a number figure that I'm shooting for, for income. Well, hold on. You're actually using numbers? Actually using... But you're a musician. Tell me how does that work? I'm also a maths nerd, so, you know, right. maths and music have strong right. correlations, right. don't you know? Music um, and money, absolutely. Yeah, but um, so... And one thing about manifesting money that I learned from um, previous partner, actually, was don't just put on your vision board what you think you can get, but pitch 50K beyond that. Right. Stretch goal, yeah. Yeah. So if I think, oh, well, I want to earn $100,000 a year, well, put 150 on the board. Yep. Shoot for that. Yep. If I land on 100, <laughs> great. Yep. Because <laughs> what, what happens in that process, Katie, is, and I, as an entrepreneur myself, you know, scaling this business now, it's been nine years. I've seen it happen on a weekly basis. If I'm not setting these high, big goals, what happens by default, back to this Parkinson's law thing, it's very aligned, is that I look for problems that are beneath. So, for example, if I'm shooting for, a, let's say, 100K, um, problems are going to come regardless. But those problems are only problems to help me get, th th that are challenges towards getting 100K. Whereas if my benchmark is, say, 200K, what happens is the problems are there to test me towards 200K, and by default, I've already passed uh, my, my problems become bigger challenges and essentially they're high quality problems. Yeah. So therefore, I, I see bigger opportunities that helps me get closer towards my main target because I'm not playing a smaller game, if that makes sense, in terms of your yes. awareness. You're looking for bigger opportunities and I understand what you're saying. It's, um, it's you know, stretch goals and KPIs, OKRs, all these um, uh, measurements of metrics for, for um, achieving goals are necessary for any business and you are a business 
if you want to make money in this industry. No, that's right. And if you really want to create a life where you are in charge of what's happening to you, then you need to create the structure and the framework of what that looks like. The vision, the mission of where you're heading and then reverse engineer, how am I going to get there? Rather than what do I think I can do and then build the goal on top of what I think I can do now? Well, like for me right now, what, what, what do I think I can do? If I made my goal just be what I'm doing now, then where am I going? Backwards. I'm, I'm just, I'm in the present. I'm not into the future. Right. You never move beyond your current sphere of influence. Yeah. So it's like there's a, there's be various sayings around this that true growth only exists when you're outside of your comfort zone. Um, and so I've learned to pitch my, my goals beyond what I think I can do because it's not up to me to figure out the how, but the what. So what do I want to achieve? Okay. That's the vision well, now how do I do it? Oh, I don't know. Well, okay, so I want to manifest people that do know that can help me. Or maybe there's some skill that I need to learn or some course I can do or something. But to not be limited by what I can do now as to where I put my vision. Um, you know, Absolutely. that's there's so much stuff around that. I mean, the other thing that when you start casting into the future and you start expanding the possibilities of your, your income capability um, – the self-development part of working your business needs to kick in here as well because for a lot of what happens, particularly to creative types who are often, as my um, old psychologist used to refer to me as, have a wide emotional variance uh, between um, incredibly happy and inspired and motivated to morose and depressed and, and dysfunctional and everything in between. So with that, often there comes some limiting beliefs around what you think you're worth either based on what your parents earned or what how successful they were and what you think you're allowed to do and all this stuff or maybe you've got an older sibling that you're not or you're not supposed to be much better than certain people because it makes them feel uncomfortable and you've got to start addressing all that and that stuff's really tricky you know even working with your peer group let's say you're hanging out with a group of friends and they're doing all right you know but they're chained to their Friday night drinks at the pubs, let's wipe ourselves out routine and you really need to be kind of up on a Saturday morning doing your thing or, you know, making new contacts or getting doing your course or whatever you're doing or playing guitar, piano, whoever, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it's easy to also get stuck in your peer group's level of success. Yeah, they might be doing all right. Maybe they've got girlfriends, boyfriends, who cares, whatever. But they're not really accessing their dream life. But you want that. So if your peer group isn't doing that, to have the courage to step out of that and go, love you guys, but actually I'm not going to hit the pub and wipe myself out this Friday night because I've got shit I want to do tomorrow. So have a great time. And who comes first? You come first. You know, you, you've got to stay, right, is this behaviour aligning me with where I really want to go? Now, look, if maintaining your positivity and connection means you do need to go along to that Friday night drinks because that is important to you and that's filling your soul, Great. But does it have to be every night? And does it have to be 10 beers? Could it be two? You know, um, so looking at that stuff, and it sounds like we're pulling the parts out of what should be just fun and free rolling stuff. And I'm all for fun and free rolling stuff f to a point. But if you're that dreamer that wants to actually make the dream happen, there needs to be a lot of focus and a lot of discipline. And maybe at 25, that stuff sounds really boring. But I'm telling you now, at 43, buddy, babe, if you want to get there, <laughs> this is what's required. 
So I can hear you loud and clear telling you, speaking to your 20. Totally, I'm talking to myself, right? (laughs) 25 saying, Katie, get structured, get accountable, have a plan. Put the joint down, put the wine down, start exercising, dump these friends. Celebrations are so much more meaningful (laughs) when when you've been responsible for creating your own life. Absolutely. You know, I know for a fact, I have a mission journal that I, without it, when I first did my ever first PD weekend 10 years ago, when I discovered, rediscovered my why and my calling, I've read that mission statement almost every day. It's my roadmap. Mm. It keeps me accountable. It updates. If I don't get clear on that before I start my day, my priorities, I'm not going into the world serving from a place of um, authenticity. I'm looking for external gratification to keep me sane and keep me busy because guess what we're human beings we need purpose to live so if we're not driving that purpose and honoring our own calling again we're going to look for distractions and and, and you know justifications and means for 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 other you know, a purpose of some kind yeah otherwise um, you just get stuck in a fishbowl you know and and lots of people live happily their whole lives in a fishbowl mm. and that's fine no discredit i love fish they're great <laughs> but you know but then you get to 60 and you think, oh, I've just been swimming around in circles with the mm. same partner who I'm not really connected to and kids I don't really know and a job that I don't really like in a house that isn't where I want it to be. And and you wake up and go, well, oh, that was my life. Mm. Could I have done that differently, you know? Well, Katie, that is really powerful. I really um, value sharing that, that story and, and everything that you've shared with us today. Uh, tell us a bit about your upcoming event. The sure. Oh, and sure. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So, at the moment, um, my standard events are two to two and a half hours. I run meditation workshops, or what I call sound meditation, at lots and lots of places all around Melbourne. So, at the moment, I'm in Belgrave, Baronia, Ballarat, Mornington, Mitcham, Geelong, Chelsea, Woodend, Northcote. Not in Footscray anymore, but I've just found a new space in St Kilda. I'll be there in May. Um, so during these workshops, I will guide people through a couple of short meditations. Um, and then we do a long sound journey meditation. So during that time, that involves people generally lying down on a yoga mat, eyes closed, um, while I will um, create a sound space for them to relax into or to meditate into, whatever they choose to do. So that involves at the moment, um, Tibetan bowls, crystal singing bowls, chimes. I have a medicine drum and I use my voice quite a lot and I use a looping machine as well. So I layer and loop my voice live and all of these things combine to create a point of focus so that people can use their attention on the music, not just how it sounds and not on me at all because they've got their eyes closed. So they're having their own experience with it. Um, but how the sound waves actually feel and interact in their body. So particularly for music um, people and creatives, I find um, they may have struggled to uh, enjoy other forms of meditation that seem batshit boring to them, basically, (laughs) but deliver it in a space where they can focus on a sound and it's like, oh, I've I've come home. Mm. So that tends to work for a lot of people. So we do that uh, for about 45 minutes or an hour. And then in the second half, um, I run a thing called vocal toning. So that's where I'm, again, empowering people to create their own sound. So reminding them that sound healing and sound meditation isn't just about lying down and letting someone else give you the sound. A bit like life. Yeah, I'll take in your input for the first half. Mm-hmm. But in the second half of the session, I want people to discover, well, what's your sound? How are you going to feel that in your body and project that 
out. So you can see then the analogy we're talking about, not only in this space of toning, but then you take that principle out in life. Yes, I'll take in a certain amount of input from someone else, but then what do I have to offer? What do I have to share? And what can I find within myself um, that will initially balance my own energy, but then I can share with the world? So that's we do that literally in the toning circle, and that's really powerful. Um, but that, I find, has flown effects for, for people in their confidence in their lives well beyond the events that I do. So that's what I do um, mostly around Melbourne. And then beyond that, um, I run half-day um, longer meditation workshops for four or five hours, and then I'm looking to do my first ever, uh, for me, um, weekend-long uh, workshop, um, which will involve other things other than sound. So we'll we'll incorporate some yoga and some perhaps some mandala meditation and be in nature and creates a space for people to have a full retreat. And as we've discussed, you know, really accessing, opening a space where people can truly be with themselves and discover who they are. And then hopefully after spending that weekend, they can move back out into their lives with clarity and purpose and inspiration and go, right, now I really know more than I did before who I am, what I want, where I'm going. Even if I don't know how I'm going to get there, at least I know what the vision is. And that's that's my desire is to inspire other people to figure out, well, who are you and what are you offering? And go on and do that because I did and anyone can. Well, on that note, Katie, I really want to take this opportunity to thank you so much for coming in and sharing that message. It's um, probably one of the most refreshing um, conversations I've had with um, a musician yeah. for a very long time. <laughs> and uh, I don't classify you in that musician category. It's a lot more than that. You know, you are obviously, you're Katie um, and you stand for a lot more than just, um, I guess, what people take for face value, sure. um, which is very inspiring. So... Everyone listening, if you want to come along and be part of this experience and help, uh, I guess, this, you know, find, connect to your inner core and your inner calling and your own voice for a lot of musicians, you know, and even people that are just starting out and want to discover more about who they are and their own sound, um, just go to uh, underwoodhealing.com. Yeah, that's the easiest one. Um, All the other links are on there. Underwoodhealing.com. Uh, and it's Katie Underwood. And thank you once again, Katie, for coming to the studio. I look forward to seeing it all unfold. Thank you. Thanks for letting me share my mission, I suppose. Yeah. Pleasure.